hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. Whether capital gains are taking a dip or Social Security benefits are serving the drams, we've got the hot takes to make your retirement strategy as flawless as Madonna's Vogue routine. Well, nothing's that flawless. But anyway, (laughs) grab your bedazzled calculators and get ready to sashay your way through our fabulous Retirement 101 series. You're listening to Career Money, episode 478. And today we're sharing the seven most significant taxes you'll deal with in retirement. Now on with the show. You're listening to the Queer Money Podcast, personal finance with a rainbow twist. Queer Money is dedicated to financial independence, financial well-being, investing knowledge, and the intersection of all things money as an LGBTQ person. Queer Money is made possible by Capital One. Capital One believes that financial well-being includes your mental, physical, and financial health. Check out CapitalOne.com today. Welcome back, folks. Today, we are going to be spilling the tea on taxes. (laughs) So we're going to try to shine a spotlight on a topic that does directly impact the wallets of retirees. And these are tax considerations. All of us as retirees will end up paying something in taxes. And we oftentimes look at retirement as this time for relaxing and enjoying the fruits of our labor. Oh, I'm looking at it. Right. But we have to remember that the financial landscape doesn't just automatically become magically simple when we retire. So we're going to delve into some key tax considerations here for retirees. We're aiming to demystify the complexities as much as we possibly can as non-tax professionals to provide you with some actionable insights that may impact how you decide to retire or where you decide to retire and help you try to maximize some of your financial well-being during this chapter of your life. Yeah. So a couple of caveats here for you. One, this is a heavier episode. So keep that in mind. It's as heavy as a Janet Jackson analogy. (laughs) The first day. (laughs) The first day. We won't say what that is. Definitely you want to talk with a tax professional or accountant to see how any of these uh, tax considerations may or may not apply to you. There are all sorts of variables that can make them apply to you or make them not apply to you. And everybody's situation is unique. So this is just a broad discussion, not not a specific recommendation for you or your situation. That's where your accountant comes into play. That said, also the tax laws are always changing. So what we say today might not necessarily be what's on the books a month from now or a year from now. So you want to make sure you you do your homework and make sure that what we're sharing is still applicable at all if it is applicable to you at all. Yeah. And remember, folks, if you're out there searching for a tax accountant, please try to find one that is a part of the LGBTQ plus community. Let's support each other. We want to save as much money as possible in retirement to stretch that money out. But these individuals deserve to be paid for the work that they do. They earn a good living by helping us make sure we pay as little as possible in taxes based on the laws. Okay. So So the first tax consideration or the first thing to consider regarding taxes are federal income taxes. Somebody has to pay for the brain trust in Washington, (laughs) D.C., right? Lack of 
brain trust. <laughs> <laughs> and that comes from your federal income taxes. So we talk a lot about retirement accounts on this podcast. So this is going to be repetitive for some of you, but to make sure this is a comprehensive episode, we have our tax deferred accounts and our non-tax deferred accounts. The tax deferred accounts include your 401ks, your 4013bs, 457s, and your traditional IRAs and other company-sponsored retirement accounts that would fall into that. You get the benefit of lowering your earned income tax in the year you make contributions to those accounts. But then in retirement, when you're going to start to take distributions from those accounts, that's when Lindsey Graham has his handout to get his paycheck. So you're going to have to pay taxes on those withdrawals, unless you have a tax efficient withdrawal strategy, which is another reason why you want to talk with an accountant. Mm -hmm. Roth IRAs, for example, or Roth 401ks, when you make distributions from those, you um, aren't going to pay taxes on those because that's one of the benefits of the Roths is that they grow to tax-free and you don't have to pay taxes when you withdraw from those accounts. Because you paid the taxes when the money went in on those types of accounts. Exactly. In both case, in, all, in all cases, regardless of whether it's tax-deferred or not, you're going to have a required minimum distribution. Those required minimum distributions start at the age of 72. It's a complicated, stupid formula. <laughs> don't try to figure it out on your own. This is when you want to no. definitely talk with a tax professional or an accountant. Or in many cases, you can contact your financial advisor. They have software that can help calculate this out for you as well. We're going to talk a little bit about capital gains taxes here shortly, but capital gains will affect your federal income taxes coming out of your traditional or Roth or 401k, what have you. Yeah. Again, we talked about tax efficient strategies. That's where you're going to want to talk with an accountant. If you don't do this smartly, you can bump yourself up into a higher tax bracket and Sometimes that's not necessary. If you make these distributions a little bit more strategically, you can avoid some of those taxes. And we know we definitely need to pay to fill the potholes in the road, but maybe in your hot twilight years, that could be somebody else's job. Yeah. All this is to say, there's a very good chance that you're going to have to pay taxes when you're in retirement. So especially if you're a higher income earner, you maybe want to consider having establishing a savings account that's designated specifically to cover your taxes so that you don't get wham at the end of the year. You've got this gigantic tax bill and have nothing set aside. So if you're going to do that, as always, not going to be any surprise to anybody, we highly suggest considering opening a Capital One 360 account. You can open them quickly online or on your phone. There are no minimums and fees. They offer one of the highest savings rates available. So the money that is sitting in that account can at least uh, grow up and, and for the most part, keep up with inflation. And of course, the Capital One supports the queer community all year round. So we would definitely want to support them as well. All right. The second thing that you want to take into consideration when it comes to taxes in retirement are your social security benefits. Now, that may sound kind of crazy that... <laughs> You paid the taxes into Social Security, and now the money is coming out, and you're going to pay taxes again on it. But the reality is, is that that is true. You are going to earn a lot more money or take a lot more money out of Social Security than you ever put in. That's the way the system is designed. And for that reason, many of us will end up paying taxes on those benefits. So a couple of things to keep in mind is that uh, they are subject to your federal income taxes, depending on your total income. And we're going to talk a little bit about this kind of weird calculation, but the IRS does use a formula to determine determine what portion of your social security benefits are taxed. What the data shows is that roughly about 40% of folks who get social security benefits will end up paying taxes on those benefits. So here's kind of a, a 
basic breakdown of how this works. If your total income is between $25,000 and $34,000. Your total combined income, right. all your assets, right? Right. So this isn't just Social Security. It's right. your Social Security. It's rental income. If you have a rental property, it's income that's coming from your distributions from your retirement accounts. If you have Dividends, other assets, if you sold something, right? All of that is combined to figure out your income. So if your total income income is between $25,000 and $34,000, then you may pay taxes on up to about 50% of your benefits if you're single. So let's just say you get $1,200 a month from Social Security and you're all within this bracket of $25,000 to $34,000, about $600 of that every month would be considered taxable or tax would apply towards your taxable income. If you're married, that number bumps up to thirty-two dollars to $44,000 for that 50%. If you earn even more, if your total income is $34,000 or higher, then about 85% of your benefits are going to be considered taxable income. If you're married, that number bumps up to $44,000. So if you're married and your total in combined income for the two of you is $44,000 or more, you're going to be looking at about 85% of your benefits being considered taxable. So if you've fallen asleep or you've fallen off the treadmill, this is all the reason why you want to make sure you subscribe to the Career Money <laughs> Podcast newsletter because we will have all of this broken down in the newsletter for you. Yeah. You shouldn't take notes while you're running on the treadmill. Right. <laughs> One of the other things to take into consideration, especially we've been doing this, the LGBTQ cities series, the affordable LGBTQ cities series. And a lot of you have said, please do cities outside the United States because I want to try to go somewhere that's even cheaper to live. One of the important things to keep in mind about your social security benefits, depending on where you decide to move, if you're going outside of the country, you might also incur another tax. So for example, we just recently found out that Portugal is starting to tax social security benefits, which, the US. Right, which essentially means that you're paying taxes on this income three times, right? You're taxed when the money goes into social security through your paycheck, then you're taxed by the US when it comes out and you may be taxed by the foreign country that you're living in, such as Portugal. So please be careful that you're looking at all these considerations when it comes to your social security benefits. Yeah. I know a lot of people, we have several friends who were talking about moving to Portugal and suddenly this is putting a a bit of a damper on that retirement strategy of theirs, which is disappointing. But, you know, I guess Portugal has potholes too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, all right. The third tax consideration is state income taxes. We all know, we've been learning throughout the affordable LGBTQ plus friendly series. There are some desirable states and some undesirable states. It's going to be quite interesting to see which are the least tax friendly states and which are the most tax friendly <laughs> states and where you want to go. Most tax friendly states include Alaska, Pennsylvania, Idaho, Texas, Florida, Nevada, Wyoming, Wyoming, Tennessee, Mississippi. I was Iowa, not Idaho. <laughs> Iowa, sorry, not Idaho. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> the least tax-friendly states, which seems to be where most LGBT people want to gravitate to, are California, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Montana, Nebraska, New Jersey, New York, Rhode Island, Utah, and Vermont. <laughs> not surprisingly, it seems that more tax-friendly end up being red states and less tax-friendly end up being blue states. There's a whole discussion around that we could have, but not for this. Not podcast. today. <laughs> so uh, these, these are where you decide to live in retirement is definitely something that you want to consider. You want to consider what you're going to pay in, in taxes. It's going to be an added expense in your regular budget. And each state 
defers drastically, even from neighboring states can defer drastically. So you gotta make sure you're aware of that. There are some states that offer social security exemptions as well as pension income and withdrawals from retirement accounts, either full or partial. So you wanna look at, at that at the state level. Again, that might be a little bit hard to find. Those are uh, reasons, of course, why you might maybe wanna hire an LGBTQ plus accountant. Yeah, exactly. There are also credits and deductions that states have that can apply to your particular situation. Again, this is on a state by state basis. So you want to make sure you're understanding what is happening, not only in the state that you're living in, but maybe the state that you decide to retire in. But there are tax credits for oftentimes for senior citizens, programs that help kind of provide relief for individuals who are oftentimes lower income. So for example, New York has a senior citizens exemption program, which provides property tax relief for seniors who meet specific income requirements. Obviously, that's going to benefit most people on the lower end. California also offers a senior citizens and disabled citizens property tax postponement program, allowing eligible seniors to postpone property tax payments to the point where they're not there to pay the taxes anymore. <laughs> There's a deferment program, a postponement program, but oftentimes that- Your heirs will pay that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just keep in mind that this is a, on a state-by-state -state basis. Other states like Pennsylvania, Texas, Florida, Illinois, they have programs similar to this. So again, find your accountant in the state that you're living in or want to move to, to find out what is beneficial for you. And just to be clear again, residency really matters. So there are a lot of people who are planning on snowboarding and to states like Florida and Arizona, you have to establish residency in one of the, in either the place you're going to live in during the cold season or the place you're going to live in during the, the hot season. And you need to be there in many cases, 180 days or more to claim that as your state of residence. So you can't actually- For tax purposes. For tax purposes. So you yeah. can't actually be living in New York most of the year and going down to Florida for four months out of the year and say that Florida is your is your state of residence and you don't have to pay income tax. That's not going to fly with Uncle Sam or your local state. So just be clear that where you pick your primary residence will matter in what you're going to pay in terms of taxes at a state level and as well, as well as a federal level. All right. Number four are capital gains taxes. Now, what are capital gains taxes? Capital gains taxes are the taxes that are assessed when you sell something that you bought. So for example, you make an investment, you buy a stock. When you turn around and sell that, if there's profit on that, that's a taxable event. You're incurring or you're getting income from that. And so Uncle Sam wants his portion of that. So it, it really depends on how long you've owned whatever property it is, whether it's a stock, a piece of art, a home, any of those things can have capital gains taxes assessed on them. It really breaks down into long-term versus short-term. Long-term typically means that you have held that asset for at least a year or longer. Short-term typically means that you have held it for less than a year. And the rates are different based on how long you have held that. More often than not, long-term capital gains rates are based on your income. So it can range anywhere from not having to pay anything all the way up to having to pay 20%. Short-term, it's always taxed at your ordinary income tax rate. So if you're a lower at the lower income end of the spectrum, then you're going to pay a lower amount of tax. If you're at the higher end, when it comes to your income, you're going to pay a higher amount of tax. And one of the things that this really helps kind of 
generate this idea of how do I balance when or how often I take money out or sell something. And what this is called is, is tax loss harvesting. It's basically this idea of I'm going to sell this at a gain and this at a loss, and hopefully they'll balance each other out or they'll minimize the amount of taxes I have to pay. So for example, if you bought Apple stock long time ago, like I did, you may have a huge holding. And if you sell that, you're going to have a big capital gain. Well, you might have something that a purchase that you made that hasn't done so well. So you want to offset some of that to try to reduce the taxes. David has what's called a concentrated position that me and his financial advisor have been trying to get him <laughs> for years to slowly unwind. And we'll be having a conversation with her later today. I'm sure she'll bring that up. Now, this sounds like a complicated strategy, and it is. And this is definitely something you want to talk to your accountant or tax professional about. But one of the nice things is there are actually funds or asset managers that do this for you. Your financial advisor can help you with this. But instead of owning individual stocks and trying to figure out when to sell and ones that are gains and what are losses, they lump it all together into a portfolio and they do all of that for you so that the fund itself doesn't incur a lot of taxes. So that's uh, there are tax-efficient investment vehicles, oftentimes mutual funds or exchange-traded funds that can help you out with this if you're starting to invest, especially investing during retirement. Those can sometimes be more expensive funds. So you want to kind of weigh the pros and cons of how much it's going to cost you relative to how much you're going to uh, save in taxes. But those are considerations there. Yeah. One of the other things to to keep in mind here is that your retirement accounts will affect this as well. Withdrawals from your traditional retirement account, I'm sorry, they will not affect this. It, your withdrawals from your traditional retirement accounts like a 401k or IRA, all of that happens within the account and there are no capital gains when it comes to withdrawing money from any of these types of accounts. For those, you'll just pay your Ordinary income. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. And of course, Roth accounts provide tax-free withdrawals, which is the benefit of Roth. Roth IRAs as well as Roth 401ks. All right. The fifth tax consideration here is wah, wah, property taxes, <laughs> <laughs> right? So property taxes can vary significantly from state to state, city to city, county to county, and even from school district to school district, right? right. We've all had that friend who had to move across the street to go to a different school district. Well, very often they had their parents had to pay <laughs> higher, <laughs> higher property taxes, right? So now that you're old and you don't care about kids anymore, you want to move to the cheaper school district. Because <laughs> 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 uh, it can, it can get, the, the, the variation can be uh, very significant from just across the street. There are some states that offer homes, what are called homestead exemptions, that reduces the assessed value of your property for property tax purposes. Those states may not be a surprise. Florida, Texas, Georgia, South Carolina, Louisiana, Alabama, and Mississippi. All red states. All red states. But there are also some states that offer senior citizens exemptions. This also may not be a surprise. <laughs> New York, California, Colorado, Pennsylvania, Texas, Florida, Illinois. Almost all blue states. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of surprised that Pennsylvania and Texas are there. But whatever. <laughs> so your assessed property value, this can change some locations, school districts, government entities do this on an annual basis. Some do it every three to five years. It can be different from location to location. This may be a reason why you don't necessarily, especially in retirement, want your property 
value to go up because if your property value goes up, you're going to pay more in property taxes. If you feel like your property value has been assessed egregiously, incorrectly, you can ask for an appeal to be done and to have that lowered. But that's something that you might want to consider because I know a lot of LGBTQ plus people put a lot of value in their home and increasing the property value. Now, we don't want you to live in squalor, but it's just something to consider as your value goes up, as you make it more fabulous, you might make it more expensive. <laughs> Time to cancel the HGTV <laughs> right. subscription. Right? <laughs> right. Another thing to keep in mind when it comes to your property taxes is that there sometimes are deductions that are allowed when it comes to paying your property taxes. So sometimes your property taxes can be deducted from your federal income tax return, uh, which gives you an, an advantage of, as a homeowner. One of the important things to keep in mind here is that these kinds of deductions are only a available when you do the Schedule A portion of your federal tax return. That means you have a little bit more complicated tax return. So if you're just doing the, what is it, 1040 EZ? Yeah, they're not going to work. Right. These deductions are not going to work for you. A caveat here, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act enacted in 2017 by the Orange Oompa Loompa, <laughs> introduced limitations on the deductions that you can take from state and local taxes, which includes these property taxes. These are generally only applicable to someone's primary residence, not a vacation residence or an investment property. But just keep this in mind that there are deductions. Again, another reason why you want to, to have a professional helping you exactly with your tax. I guess it makes sense that he signed that because if you're just lying about your property value, <laughs> you don't have to pay taxes on it anyway. So you could just do what he does. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm curious. Did he lie about the value when he's giving it to banks for loans? And then he lied to the IRS about how much it's worth when he's yeah. doing his taxes? <laughs> hey, the answer is yes to all of the above. At least he's consistent, right? <laughs> he's lying, lying. <laughs> Two <laughs> lies do not make a truth. <laughs> no. no, that's totally true. <laughs> all right. The next consideration is sales taxes. Each state, as you probably know, and even in Denver, there can be different counties within Denver that have different taxes, right? Like one can be considerably higher than the county next door within one city, right? So these vary from places to places. The only states that don't have sales taxes are Alaska, Delaware, Montana, New Hampshire, and Oregon. Yeah. And we know girls like to shop, right? <laughs> we like to get out there and spend. So it, it may make a big difference difference in how much you're spending and where you're spending based and, on where you live. And this is this is of no small consequence because as you're, you know, as you get into retirement, you're going to be on a, on a tighter budget. There's that five letter, four letter word again, right? Budget. You're, you're going to want to be very meticulous about how you're itemizing all of this and make sure you include the potential tax consequences on your regular purchases because it can have a, a big impact on how much money you're going to be able to have or spend from pay period, pay period, or however you're, you're going to pay yourself during retirement. So um, I think especially if you're making big purchases, right? Yeah. So if you're making big purchases in retirement, there are some big purchases you may be forced to make, especially if you, you yourself or your partner has medical issues. Some of those purchases, like getting a wheelchair or hover craft, whatever. The... <laughs> I don't think it's called a hovercraft. Yeah, I know. Some of those medical devices are very, very, very expensive. So you could be paying a lot more based on where you live. Yeah. So you want to be make sure you're clear on that. There are, that being said, there are some states that offer necessities exemptions. For example, Alabama, 
Alaska, Delaware, Montana, and Oregon offer exemptions for those who are on limited incomes for groceries. There are other exemptions in different states to varying degrees for prescription medications, clothing, uh, and shoes below certain income thresholds, as well as medical supplies, as David was offering earlier. But not all states offer those exemptions. So if you think that's going to be a big consideration for yourself, you want to make sure you definitely do the homework. And at the very least, make sure you include that additional expense when you create your budget. Yeah. Another thing is, is that some states do what's called tax-free shopping holidays. Holiday. There you go. Get another Madonna reference in there. You never get too many. <laughs> but this is an important thing to think about when you make your purchases, because there are a number of states that do offer these shopping tax-free holidays. Now, oftentimes they're focused around back to school shopping because they're designed to help lower income individuals be able to afford back to school supplies and clothing. So states like Alabama, Florida, Texas, Ohio, Virginia, they, they have these tax shopping holidays. So that may be the time you want to make some of your big purchases. Yeah. So the older Queens who want to wear, you know, <laughs> A school uniform for some reason. You're gonna do you your get a Britney, oops, I did it again outfit. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see a 70-year-old drag queen dressed in a school uniform doing oops, I did it again. Yeah. That'd we need get get a hold of the old gays on TikTok oh, from, and ask them to dress up and yeah, totally. <laughs> and of course, there are tax advantage purchases. This may be one of the reasons why you might want to get your local paper. Um, because very often these kinds of tax advantage purchases are talked about in your local paper. And this would include like any promotions to buy energy efficient appliances or various home improvements. Improvements that if you make the purchase that isn't without its cost, but it will be the the net cost will be reduced because very often the the state or the local city or whatnot will offer deductions or exemptions on the state, local, or city taxes for those purchases. So it can maintain a good quality of life. Oftentimes it's very good for the environment or the community, and you can kind of get it at a bit of a discount, but it's still going to probably cost you to some degree. Yeah. I think oftentimes I see those as rebates, right? You buy yeah. this thermostat, it costs you $150, but then you get a $150 rebate or something like that. Exactly. All right. The seventh and final tax we're going to talk about is a Medicare or Medicare surtaxes. These are specifically for individuals who are in the high income tax brackets. Right? These taxes apply to individuals who make a lot of money. And we know there are some rich queens out there, right? Mm -hmm. So if you are in the higher income tax bracket, you want to make sure you pay attention to these because they will they will apply to you. There's an additional Medicare tax that applies to individuals whose income, whether it's wages, self-employment income, earned income that you get from, as I mentioned before, rents or selling of property, things like that. This applies to individuals who have earned income for the year of over $200,000 as individuals or $250,000 as married couples. So if you have built up a real estate portfolio and you're bringing a lot of money in uh, on that, or you have a small business where you're still earning money from that, or you have some large distributions coming from uh, your stock portfolios, this could definitely apply to you. Basically, you're going to pay an extra 9 tenths of a percent, almost 1% extra 
that you're going to pay on the income that exceeds these thresholds. Then there's the net investment income with the same trigger thresholds, $200,000 for individuals, $250,000 for couples who are married and filing jointly. This applies to certain net investment incomes on capital gains, like we talked about earlier, dividends from say preferred stock, whatnot you that are in taxable accounts or rental income as David talked about as well. The rate for this is currently 3.8% uh, on investments that income that exceeds those particular thresholds. These can change a lot. So you, again, you want to make sure you want to make sure that you talk with an accountant or a tax professional to make sure you apply these appropriately. And they are considerations for you to be aware of as you're getting into retirement and you're creating your retirement budget. Yeah. Now, granted, four percent for somebody who's earning two hundred to two hundred fifty thousand dollars, an extra eight to ten thousand dollars may not seem like a whole lot, but it can have a big impact on on your budget. Exactly. So, again, we want to remind you. There was a lot of things that we talked about here, complicated things that we talked about. We tried to simplify them as much as possible, but please talk to your LGBTQ plus accountant or tax professional to help see how it applies to you on an individual basis. And also remember, all of these are subject to change. We know whether it's a new person in the White House or a new Congress that comes in, they're always up change, right? They always want to make some changes. So let those tax professionals earn their money so that you can keep a simplified retirement life. <laughs> exactly. So there you have it, folks. There are only two certainties in life. That is death and taxes. And you don't stop paying taxes until your death. <laughs> so stay tuned for your career money takeaway from this episode. Make sure to check out more ways that Capital One can help you achieve financial well-being at CapitalOne.com. That's CapitalOne.com. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Queer Money Podcast. Remember to get this week's newsletter because it's going to include more information and links to some of the information that we've covered on today's episode. There was a lot in this episode. So make it easier on yourself and steal our homework. <laughs> <laughs> and join us this Thursday when we share the most affordable LGBTQ plus friendly city to live in Arizona. And then next Tuesday, when we talk with Executive Director Alex Sheldon from GLAMA, G-L-M-A, Health Professionals Advancing LGBTQ plus equality, we talk about healthcare disparities in the queer community and how retirees can prepare accordingly. Thank you and have a great week. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking queer money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.